It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, so we've only had three of these to talk about this year. We try to be measured about this, but we have a win to talk about. That's right. We have a win to talk about what happened on Thursday night against the Steelers. Before we get to that, he's Greg. I'm Nick. And of course, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. All right, before we get into the Steelers game, Greg, and that win and Bailey Zappi's performance, let's start with Pat McAfee. He caused a little bit of a thing, a little bit of an uproar on Saturday by telling Robert Kraft on college game day as Kraft was getting ready to leave the set, quote, I don't envy your position. What's about to happen? We all know we don't have to ask today, unquote. Now, before we get into Pat McAfee trying to shove the toothpaste back into the tube yesterday, mm-hmm. let's first start with your thoughts on what happened Saturday and what McAfee said. Um, so my initial reaction, and I guess it's my reaction now, I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole ambush Robert Kraft thing. I don't really have an opinion on that. I mean, look, Robert Kraft was on college game day. He's outside his football stadium. He's the owner of a professional football team that was three and 10 at that point. Like he, you know, it it comes with the territory. It, It just does. Um, my read on first of all, I don't read anything into the Kraft handshake with McAfee. Um, McAfee had extended his hand. Kraft isn't just going to leave it there on national television. Um, and, and also, in my uh, in my interactions with Robert Kraft over the years, that's sort of one of his go to moves. That when you, uh, even if it's a private conversation. Um, and you delve into a sensitive area on something. He just kind of like looks at you and smiles and shakes your hand. And uh, that's about it. Uh, but as far as McAfee's question st- slash comment to Kraft, um, I did read a lot into that. Um, now, am I going to say that's definitely uh, – it's a definitely a sign that – Bill Belichick is not here next year. No, I, Nick and I know we've both been on live TV and radio uh, enough where I've certainly said some things. Some things have come out of my mouth, not in the way that I wanted them to. Or, you know, the listener hears something that wasn't what I intended. So right. that's definitely possible here. And that's sort of what McAfee sort of said the next day. But look. I took it as this. That was the definitive statement from him. You know, what he said about, like, we all know what's going to happen here. I don't envy you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, He did not just, he didn't, like, really couch it, like, sort of soft pedal it. Like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen here, but, you know, we don't envy you. Like, no, it was more of a definitive statement. And to me, 
McAfee knows so many people around the league. Um, plus, you have the whole ESPN thing. Dan Orlovsky had said, like, you know, I've heard that, that Belichick already knows where he's going after this. Um, plus, you factor in all the people that McAfee knows in the league. Uh, you also have to factor in that McAfee had been in town for a few days. He did his radio show, his YouTube show, whatever, from the game day set on Friday. So I don't know if he got in that morning. Probably he got in that morning. But he was there a couple days. And you can't tell me that he didn't have interactions with Patriots people over the course of you know, through the end of his duties with game day. I mean, there was a, I don't know if he went to the gala. There was some gala on Friday night before the game, uh, but he's right outside the Patriots stadium. Are you telling yeah. me he didn't? Now he, he said he didn't, uh, he didn't have any interactions with Robert Kraft. He didn't say anything about Jonathan Kraft or anybody else from the Patriots or the Kraft uh, family. So to me, he had some interactions that weekend Kirk Herbstreet, sits with him he was on the show on friday he had just been at the patriots game he had just been in production meeting with bill belichick al michaels is his partner he knows a shit ton of people and talks to people had his own um leading comments during the game on thursday night so to me i took it as at the end of the day i took it as there are people talking behind the scenes and like it's a foregone conclusion that belichick is gone after the season 100%. And that's what I took from it. And, you know, I, I actually posted the video and it got a lot of traction on X and there was some pushback and stuff. I had mentioned that, you know, that Shocking. all Kraft did was give him the handshake at the end of what McAfee said. Uh, it wasn't taking a lot out of the handshake. It was the fact that mm -hmm. Robert was quiet. He was silent. He, to me, here was the biggest takeaway. Before that moment with McAfee, Reese Davis asked Robert a question about how do you get back to your winning ways and it was it was a way to try to delicately handle the Belichick stuff just like McAfee's was it was a way to try to delicately ask about Belichick without directly asking about Belichick and I went deep into this thought process on my podcast the Nick Cattle show yesterday about my experience Greg in media you, you obviously have a long experience in media and you know I was told at one point station that I worked with we had a head coach interview scheduled and the head of communications of that team had said to me email us your questions before that head coach comes on so he knows what to expect and I said that's not how this works I'm going to ask the questions he can handle the questions any way that he wants those conversations happen and I can guarantee you the Patriots, somebody with Robert Kraft, there was a conversation with ESPN with a relationship with Kraft and the NFL and that and that, you know, conglomerate. There were conversations. Reese Davis asked delicately about how do you get back to winning ways? And Kraft knew exactly what he was asking and immediately went to jokes, joking about McAfee not wearing a tank top, joking about Herb Street. Oh, I, I wish you were at all of our games, Kirk. Hardy, hard, hard. To me, the deflection with the jokes at the Reese Davis question, and then to push it further, the non-answer answer kind of to McAfee, it just tells me that Kraft wants nothing to do with Bill Belichick, doesn't want to talk about it, and, and is not interested or comfortable in addressing it in any way, which, which is something. 
Because he had two opportunities, Greg, during that interview. He had two wide-open opportunities to stand by Belichick, to give him the old vote of confidence, to Mm -hmm. say something, and he didn't. Both times, he handled it differently with the jokes and then just the handshake and the I'm not saying anything pretty much. And I do think that means something. When you open the door to defend your coach that's been here for 24 years and there's really no defense of him in those moments, I think it speaks volumes. As far as McAfee, uh, Greg, and and what he said yesterday as he tried to backtrack, what did you make all of that? What did you make from all of that? I thought it was, you know, the normal stuff that you get from like, uh, you know, I think mostly he was trying to play nice with Patriots fans. And I I do find it funny that, um, you know, McAfee is this guy who, you know, credit to him, you know, he's risen to 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 great heights um, through mostly, you know, having fun and being positive and stuff like that. But as he's taken on more and more like on game day, he was even talking about I, I was watching. Um, his some of his Friday show and him and Herb Street were talking and McAfee talked about how, um, you know, how he's, you know, getting all this, you know, hate mail and stuff like that from college football fans from the, the college football playoff thing. And and, you know, so he was dealing with that. Now he's dealing with Patriots fans coming down on him on Robert. I thought it was just normal stuff. There, there are times and I, I'm certainly guilty of it where I'm told things by certain people and. I overshare a little bit and that gets me in trouble with my sources. And then, you know, you try to make the best of it as you can. That's what I made out of that. Nick, one thing I wanted to ask you about and like your reaction to it. So, um, you know, did you make anything and and I'll give my take and then you, you could say it, but you know, so, so McAfee says to Robert, I've got massive respect. The greatest dynasty in the history of professional sports is in the in the building you own. You should be incredibly incredibly proud of that. You've been kicking a lot of ass in the NFL, Robert Kraft. And Kraft says, we'd like to win. So we want to do everything we can to get our team back so we can be winning again. Now, again, back to the comment that I made before about like, you know, when you're on live television and radio, oftentimes the things in your mind don't come out of your mouth right. Yeah, I, It happens to me pro- every time I'm on, probably during this podcast. But, you know, so I probably say it's that, but I I did find it interesting that, that Kraft used the phrasing. And I do think you're correct about, like, he had plenty of opportunities, even when McAfee said what he said. And it might have caught Kraft a little bit off guard. There might have been talk, I'm sure, Stacey James before they went on and been like, don't bring up Belichick. Yep. Like, don't bring up the team. Yep. He's here about Army Navy, like, out of respect. So it probably took him by surprise. But he could have said, you know, just before we go, I just want to say Bill Belichick is is one of the greatest coaches of all time. We've been lucky to have him. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see some good football moving forward. But anyways, back to his comment. He said, we want to do everything we can to get our team back so we can be winning again. Now, th- did he just mean – did he just mean get our team back? Uh, excuse me. We need to get our team back to winning. Is that what he meant? Or did he really mean we need to take our team back from Bill Belichick? Like it's gone. It was fine. He had the team when they were winning. Now that they've been losing three out of the past four years. We need to take our team back from Bill Belichick at the end of the day, whether that's somebody from the outside or Belichick 
with a lot more different responsibilities going forward. Yeah, it's an interesting takeaway. I mean, I would read that as we've got to get back to what we were. We've got to get back to those winning ways. We've got to get back to kind of the Patriot way, quote unquote. That's how I would take it. As far as McAfee, look, I thought his his statement on Saturday was cryptic. And I thought his apology, backtracking, whatever you want to call it yesterday, was sloppy. And the reason why I say that, and, and I like Pat. I, I like Pat. I do. I, I, I enjoy what he does. I think he's a great personality. But I thought he showed an utter lack of accountability. Because when you say what he said on Saturday, when you are the one that's being cryptic, that's on you. It's not on me. It's not on Greg. It's not any, anybody watching or reading his words or listening to him. It's not up to us to decipher it in the correct manner that you want us to decipher it, Pat. You have a responsibility. And when you are as cryptic as you were on Saturday, you open the door for people to interpret things. I also just didn't quite understand what – I don't know if you ever watched the Chappelle show, Greg, but the Chappelle show had this great Rick James uh, segment one time. And – Rick James is like, I'm not going to stomp on another man's couch. And then they cut it. And literally like the next statement out of his mind, uh, his mouth is, yeah, I went and stomped on that man's couch. There was a little bit of Rick James from Pat McAfee because he says, I wasn't talking about Bill Belichick. And then he says, well, I was, uh, you know, they have a lot of stuff to figure out. Bill Belichick's extension. Is he going to be around? So I guess it was part of it. Like he, he couldn't even clearly explain what he meant on Saturday, which told me. He did not have a clear explanation because he was talking about Belichick and my personal read on it. And it might just be me. I don't know you uh, about you, Greg, but I think you kind of hinted towards this about you kind of getting into it with sources at times mistakenly. I read it Mm -hmm. as Pat stepped in it. Pat stepped in it. He realized he stepped in it. He might have realized it on his own or he might have realized it from the social media interaction or he might have realized it. In case somebody from ESPN said something or the Patriots said something, but he clearly realized he stepped in it and he tried to backtrack yesterday. And I don't think he did a great job of doing that. Uh, Before we get into some other stuff here, Greg, this just came across from Adam Schefter. Want your thoughts on it? Malik Cunningham has been signed by the Baltimore Ravens. So Cunningham is out. Cunningham to Baltimore. Uh, Schefter just posted that a few moments ago. So now your quarterbacks on this roster are Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, and Will Greer. I know uh, we weren't quite ready f- to talk about it, but just your your initial thought on Malik Cunningham heading to Baltimore. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> My initial thought, I mean, you know, look, let me preface this by saying, like, I know there are a lot of people excited about Malik Cunningham, the possible quarterback, and and I was certainly open to that. Um, let's scratch that. My my initial reaction right off the cuff is, could Bill Belichick mangle the quarterback position any more than he's done this year? Like every single move, this is just, this is further. And, and look, I, I'm not saying Malik Cunningham's going to be anything. He's even if, if he's even a quarterback in this league, but just like, this is the guy that you brought up the last two weeks on practice squad. Um, you've started to give him more quarterback reps. He warmed up as a quarterback 
on sun on Thursday at Pittsburgh. Um, it's just like he, he just has no feel for the position. I mean, I'm not saying Malik Cunningham is anything. Like, you know, I know some fans want to make him a quarterback and all that, but to the coaches, he hasn't been. Uh, he's been a little bit more of late, but, you know, we don't know. We don't know what the Ravens are going to use him for, even though he would make a great sort of understudy, third-string understudy for Lamar Jackson, considering their similar quarterbacks came from the same school. Um, boy, it would be embarrassing if he becomes anything with the Ravens. But um, <laughs> they just – I mean, like, look, they claim on Thursday, they claim some dumbass special teams linebacker from the Eagles – and they release Ty Montgomery, but the you know, but they so they make sure they have a roster spot on a three and ten team for a special teams linebacker when their special teams suck. And they've already you know, Chris Board is useless along with all the other special teams guys they've signed. They make sure he has a spot, but they don't make sure Malik Cunningham, who's been up on the active roster the last two weeks since you moved on from Mac Jones doesn't have a spot on the roster so he can be poached by somebody else. Like, it's just, like, to me, this is just further indictment of Belichick, the GM. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't get offense. He doesn't get quarterbacks. And to me, this is just another knock on Belichick and another reason. And it's certainly, you know, way down in the small print. But just another reason to be like, yeah, it's, it's just time to move on. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I love the app. I use it all the time, all over the place. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued at non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Before getting into the Steelers game, just uh, two more things I wanted to ask you, and it is kind of getting into the Steelers game, the second question I have for you. But the first thing I wanted to talk about happened with the Chiefs the other night. Just kind of your quick thoughts on the offsides that was called, the reaction from Mahomes and Andy Reid, and all of the talk that followed after what happened. So, first of all, phenomenal play by Travis Kelsey. That was probably the best throw that he, a Patriots quarterback. It's, it was a better throw than a quarterback's, uh, Patriots quarterback has made all season. Um, that was just a ridiculous play, and it was cool to see, and I definitely yelled out on my couch watching. <laughs> um, second of all, it was a blatant penalty. I mean, it just was. And Kadarius Tony is a moron. This is why he's been on a bunch of teams. This is what you get when you go, you know, sort of uh, – it. it 
what the Chiefs are going through right now sort of reminds me of some of the lean years with Brady and his his weapons, whether it was like, you know, uh, I think I want to say like 2015 or 2019. Like there's only so much an elite quarterback like Mahomes or Brady, like the unicorns, like you have to give them something. Like last year it was he had an elite Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's obviously dealing with something and he's not the same player. And then he doesn't have like, you know, just guys who can catch the ball like Juju Smith-Schuster and guys like that. Um, but I, I thought that the Chiefs' reaction to it was embarrassing. Um, the dude lined up offside. It's got to be called. He was way offsides. Um, it, I, it, I was just – the Chiefs were just embarrassing. I know it was mostly just a season's worth of frustration bubbling over, and they had just gotten worked by the refs the week before against the Packers. Like, if they lost their crap – on the the MBS non-pass interference penalty against the Packers. I would have understood that. They let it go. And then, you know, this week, I think it's just the frustration bubbling over, but it was certainly embarrassing for them, and they deserve to be called out for that. I agree with everything you said. Uh, Mahomes, his whining and the, the, the midfield hug with Josh Allen when he decides to just cry and complain to Josh Allen, that, that was embarrassing, no doubt. All right, let's look at the uh, Steelers game. First, before we get to Zappe, how much did uh, Belichick get his groove back versus Pittsburgh? Um, a very minimal amount. I mean, you know, look, Nick, at the, I don't know how you feel about this, but at the end of the day, the Patriots were playing Mitch Trubisky, who is freaking horrible. Um, he just is. And we saw last year when, when the Patriots beat him by three points as well with Mac Jones at quarterback. Uh, they were playing a team in the Steelers that is borderline quitting on Mike Tomlin right now. Certainly some of the receivers, whether it was Deontay Johnson the, the week before, um, uh, George Pickens was embarrassing in this game. Some of the lack of effort that he had. Um, I think the defense, it's similar to the Patriots. The defense is still playing hard, but the offense is, is, is a complete mess. They have new offensive coordinators who don't know what they're doing. Um, that it looked like the Patriots knew exactly what the Steelers were going to do. Yeah. And this is a this is a Steelers team that had just lost on Sunday, four days before, on the same field at home against another 2-10 team and got beat worse by the Cardinals in that game. And for, you know, the Patriots to emerge with a three-point victory, um, that was a little bit fortunate. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not going nuts about it. It was nice that they won, and I'm sure they were happy, and we saw the adulation and elation and all that stuff. You know, the Patriots were also sort of like that after they beat the Bills, which was a much better win than this one. You know, people were on the field. I posted a picture of Devon Gotcha. I was giving Mac a big hug yeah. after the game. Yep. Like, you know, so all the stuff that you want to say about the reaction to Zappy and the victory and all that stuff, you can say the same thing after the Bills game. So, to me – it. I don't know. I it, it was nice that they won. It was nice that it looked better. It was nice that they put up 21 points in the first quarter and a half. But at the end of the day, was I overly impressed by, by the victory? No, not at all. Belichick is, what, 14-4 and four against the Steelers? I think he's won eight out of the last nine games against that team. They just have their number. I mean, they know, as you said, they're predictable. Belichick knows exactly what they want to do and how they want to do it. And the Steelers have issues with that. I also thought, and I know Canada's gone, Matt Canada got fired and all that stuff, and he was 
catching lots of justifiable flack for his play calling. But my goodness, the play calling from the Steelers in that game was atrocious. The the third and two scenario, you're like five or six seconds before the two-minute warning. You're going to have the clock stopped anyway. Third and two with Mitchell Trubisky. And they decide instead of running the football to try to get that first down, knowing it's four down territory, they put that third and two in the hands of Trubisky. And then to make matters even worse, the fourth and two play call was a shot play down the sideline. What in the blue hell is that play calling? It was awful. All right, let's get to uh, Bailey Zappi. His day, Greg, to you and your eyes. Thoughts? So, uh, you know, all I can do is grade out the film, and that's what I do. And that's what I, you know, grade out. I try to be consistent, um, you know, with with all my grades. So at the end of the day, it takes my opinion out of it. So through 21-3, Zappi, in terms of my grading, uh, was an 11.8. And that number really doesn't mean anything. But the, the, the bigger picture is over an entire game, that would rank sixth highest since the start of 2021. So I have this Mac Jones database that I keep with a bunch of different stuff in terms of how much pressure was on the quarterback, how many, how many blitzes, you know, their big time throw percentage, their turnover worthy plays, expected completion uh, over average, all that stuff, just so I can compare and contrast starts. And so I, you know, it's now turned into sort of a Bailey Zappi database. And so over an entire game through 21 to three, that would have ranked as the sixth highest start since the start of 2021 and the highest since Jones had a 20 at Miami in week 18 of 21. So at 21, three, it was the highest graded game in two years. Of course, a game is not a quarter and a half. There's a bunch <laughs> of other play left. And, and right. so Zappy from there on out, was a minus 4.4. Most of it happened on the interception, which I did not give him full uh, blame for. I gave half of it to Juju Smith-Schuster. Again, uh, the Patriots' execution issues on offense basically you know, uh, reared their ugly head once they got up 21-3. to To me, the Steelers got a lot more aggressive. They played a lot more man coverage. Like you said, I, I totally forgot about this. And as soon as the game started, I was like, ah, oh, crap, I forgot that starting with McDaniels and Tom Brady, they know the secret sauce against that Steelers defense, which largely hasn't changed much since we were kids in terms of their zone exchange, zone blitz, um, how they play coverage. It really hasn't evolved. And so, like, for example, the third and three Juju Smith-Schuster play, we're catching run for like 27, 28 yards. Dude was wide open. Zappy knew he was going to be there. It was a three-step drop. Boom, he's wide open. He hits him. Yeah. That's not a great play by anybody. They just knew what the Steelers were going to do. And so there was there was a lot of that in the in this game. I do think I do think that pressure you know was a huge issue. The lack of pressure. I mean, when they were up 21-3, Zappy was under pressure 11.8% of the time, which is like the second lowest ever the last three years. Um, you know, it rose to 23.5 the, uh, after 21 to three. That's still not, not very much for the game. It was like 18%. That's nothing. Any quarterback, I don't care who you are. If you, if you're only under under pressure, 18% of the time, you are going to play well. Now 
that being said, I don't want to take anything away from Zappi. Um, yes, he was fortunate the first Juju Smith-Schuster play, which really got the team going. I'm not going to say it was a bad throw, but it wasn't a great throw. And Juju caught the ball on the guy's back. It hit the guy's shoulder. Um, that's fortunate. The second Hunter Hunter Henry touchdown, while a good throw and it worked out, the way the defense the, the way the defense played that play, that's that's the type of play where you're like, as the offensive coordinator, if you're Bill O'Brien, you're going, no, 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 yes. Because the safety was there. It was a bad play by the safety. It should have been picked off or at least deflected. But the Hunter Henry, um, the Hunter Henry touchdown, the first one, he knew what was coming. He looked left, he threw right, but phenomenal throw. Perfectly placed high where only Hunter Henry could get it. Great catch. Um, you know, I did give I did give Zappy pluses on the other Hunter Henry throw. Uh, there was another 17-yard throw to Juju Smith-Schuster that I gave him a plus. He had another. He, I gave him another plus on a play that didn't even count, where Hunter Henry pushed off, uh, where he didn't react to pressure, and David Andrews is blocking three different guys. So, at the end of the day, long story short, um, I thought he played well. He again brought some things in terms of calmness, pocket mil- manipulation that Mac Jones long ago forgot to do for whatever reason. Um, he, he played well. Uh, I wouldn't say that this was a great performance at the end of the day. Um, but he, he did a good job. He's certainly an upgrade over Mac Jones at this point, but that's about as far as I go with it. I thought some of the reaction was a little bananas after the game. Uh, some people reacted like the second half didn't happen. Like I thought Zappy was <laughs> great in the first half. Thought he was really good, really freaking good. And if Bailey Zappi proves everybody wrong, if he proves the football world wrong, what a great story. Brock Purdy right now is in the middle of a maybe MVP run as the last pick in the draft. We all root for people like Bailey Zappi. We all root for the Cinderella story. We all root for that person, right? The underdog. It would be a fantastic story. I'm just telling you what I have seen. He was really good in the first half. Second half. When the protection wasn't as good, he got hit early. The pick was the pick, near pick on the sideline. At that point, I thought Bill O'Brien and Belichick said, we're playing with fire, let's settle things down and just run the ball a ton and get the hell out of here with the W because we don't trust him. That's that's why, that's why how I read the second half. They, they had, what, 57 total yards in the second half? Um, in, mm-hmm. in the big picture, I just, I think we all need to pump the brakes the bar has been so low because Mac was so bad that if somebody has a decent quarter, quarter and a half, it gets overblown. The fact is, Zappi's played two games. He's had two good halves to really good halves. He's had two bad halves. The fact remains that three of those four halves, the Patriots have scored zero points. In the Chargers game, they couldn't even get to the Chargers 20-yard line. Second half against mm-hmm. Pittsburgh – They couldn't move the damn ball. And when you look at it, again, big picture from 30,000 feet, your scripted first drive went according to plan with that pass to Juju included. 75-yard touchdown drive, great stuff. Hadn't had one of those all year long. You love to see it. Steelers were playing like 10 guys within eight yards of the line of scrimmage. They, They were daring Zappi to throw it. And they got burned for that first drive. Slowly but surely, they adjusted, adjusted their coverage, 
and we saw the reaction, you know, and the and the lack of production from that offense moving forward. So I hope Zappy does great. It would be a fantastic story. I'm certainly rooting for the young man, but we got to keep this in perspective and say it is what it is. He's had four halves of football, too good, too not good. Let's see what happens this weekend. Other stuff about this game, Greg, that I just wanted to throw at you. Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would sign Ezekiel Elliott every single year <laughs> as long as he's got gas in the tank. This guy, he is just a dog, and I thought he played his ass off on, on Thursday night. Totally agree. Um, he's done it all year. I've been very impressed. I mean, if I'm the Patriots, I would love to have him. If I'm Zeke, I'm certainly seeing if this season interests a lot of other people, yeah. including maybe the Cowboys, to go back with a little bit more money. Um one thing that does not change for me is I Ezekiel Elliott is not a third down back for this offense. Um, I, I don't know why, and we've talked about it before, but I don't know why Bill Belichick has a blind spot for a real third down passing back. I mean, but they've never won a championship without one. You know, whether it's Kevin Falk or Shane Vereen or James White, those players have been integral to championship teams. And then all of a sudden he stopped getting those players and the off passing offense struggles. Um, I I don't, I mean, I'm not saying that's the reason, but it factors into it on why they haven't been able to pass the ball, but I'm sorry. Zico did did a nice job in this game. Did a nice job catching the ball out of the backfield. You know, he only had like 60 something yards rushing on like 22 carries, but they were tough, important yards. All of them. They were, they were body blows against the defense and he did a tremendous job, but this does this type of performance does not make me think, well, I'll just bring him back and he'll be the third down back. Sorry. No, he's not fast enough. He's not quick enough. He makes you slower. Um, he, he He's good to be if you want to give him a driver. He's the every down back. And then you pop him out of the backfield on first or second down and, and do something like that. OK, but not a dedicated third down back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another indictment on Bill Belichick's roster building, by the way. Uh, let's think about how late it was that they added Zeke. Ramondre goes down. They had no running back, too. Ty Montgomery got cut on Friday, okay? And, and that's why you had, a, you had a play. How long has this podcast been asking for Yeah, that? yeah, no, the, <laughs> the arm's out. I told you. I, give me a uniform, put Montgomery on the back, and I'll go out there, and I can extend my arms on kickoffs. I can... He made one yeah, catch. Yeah, he made yeah. one catch. I got him a first down on Thursday night. And then he was cut on Friday. He, I mean, he dropped one. You were stuck with the guy that you picked up very late, very late in the summertime, right before the season. That guy had to play 52 of the 57 snaps because you failed 
at the running back position. You failed to add the third down back. You failed with your two picks a year ago with Strong and Harris. You failed to find a competent backup to Ramondre until very late in the process. And I give you credit for signing Zeke. Zeke was the better signing than Dalvin Cook. Cook looks cooked. But one injury to Ramondre, and it was like, all right, Zeke, man. Iron Man, let's go. 52 snaps, baby. What are we doing? Uh, I also wanted to ask you about the run defense. Analytically, this is the best run defense in football, the Patriots. Uh, Jennings jumps out at you. Christian Barmore has improved run defense-wise. Godchow's been good. Tavai's been good. Uh, just your thoughts, Greg. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that the run defense is this good. Yeah, it's it's been really good um, this year. I think some of it has been uh, a little bit blown out of proportion. Like, for example, uh, the Chargers were missing Corey Lindsley, their center. So that changes a lot of things, and they can't run the ball anyways. And and in this game, the Steelers' offensive line is is underwhelming. Um, you know, well. You know, at times it's been really good. And for the most part, you know, and I think Belichick has said this, um, good run defense is good team team defense. Like it, it's, you know, I, I would say Godshaw has played pretty well this year, but you need everything working. You need the guys taking up blocks. I think Barmore's improved against the run this year, even though in this game he had a really tough couple reps in short yardage. One, the touchdown that they scored, um, he got completely blown off the ball. And then there was another one a fourth down in the middle of the field where they, I think they did a sneak where he got, cause he was high and the, the offensive line went low. He was like body surfing, like five yards, like down the field, like they, they shoved them. Um, but for the most part, they've been good. Um, you know, I, I just, and, and all analytics, I mean, DVOA will tell you like their first or second in the league. Yeah. And I, I adhere more to that stuff. So yeah, it's been good. I mean, I, I just don't, remember many matchups where they've gone up against a real dual threat uh, team, like say like the Ravens or something like that. But yeah, it, it, they've done a nice job. All right, let's get to your uh, quickie three up and three down. What do you got? So uh, let's see. I am going with um, Ezekiel Elliott is my number one up. Um, we just talked about him. Uh, you know, he, that he barely came off the field um, really saved this offense. Nice job with the roster that you don't have another running back that you can even put on the field. Um, Anthony Jennings, I thought was tremendous on the edge in this game. Um, Bad coaching by the Steelers to think that a rookie tight end, even though I like that guy in the draft was going to block a professional uh, like uh, Anthony Jennings. He's done a great job on the edge pass rush at times. Um, Michael Wenu. I thought was outstanding in this game. It, last week must have been an aberration. So he went from uh, best graded offensive line game of the year to one of the worst, certainly of his career, to now set a new mark for best <laughs> offensive line performance of the year this week. He must have been sick, sick last week. And then uh, I am going to go with, uh, I wanted to add one more, uh, Christian Barmore, five and a half quarterback pressures. This is what he does every week. Um, down. Ty Montgomery. See you. <laughs> Bye. Um, JC Jackson. He's He was horrible in this game. Gave up a touchdown. He was lucky Mitch Trubisky threw such a bad ball that it was even close. Um, I, 
I also, on that play, I did not like the call from Steve Belichick. It was, you're up 21 to three. It's second and five. Why are you going all out blitz there? Why? Like, who who cares? What You're going to make it easier for Mitch Trubisky? Just let him kick the field goal. Like, just, I didn't understand that call. That was dumb. Um, and then, who else? Uh, City So gave up um, two sacks in this game. Uh, not a great game for him. All right. This episode brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner on the CLNS Media Network. New customers receive $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Also, check them out at BSJ. $50 for the year. Bedard and Giardi tag teaming on the Patriots. Corrales doing great stuff. Haggerty and the rest of the crew over there. Uh, let's get to one more thing here, Greg, that you had written down. Does your Thursday column, if Belichick is to return, the Crafts should mandate these organizational changes does that column mean anything other than it pissing off the sensitive segment of the Patriots fans? <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. Um, so, yeah, I wrote this column. And it, so I've heard from a lot of people because they put so uh, they put a lot of things together. That Shaughnessy wrote a couple columns about Belichick possibly being back. What if he saves his job? Mike Reese has talked about it, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know if there was anybody else. And then me on top of that, I could just tell you, all I could tell you is that my impetus for writing the column was not, um, I haven't heard anything. Um, even though I do leave open the possibility that Belichick could return. I mean, I, I do think if they went out, I do think it's possible. Um, if Belichick falls on the sword and agrees to some things, I think it's possible because I don't think the crafts, you know, really want to fire him or move on from Belichick. So I can just tell you that there's no inside information on this. And I just wanted to explain, like, I, I just wanted to look at the flip side that like, okay, we're all talking about like, it's a fait accompli that Bill Belichick is not going to be back next year. And I just like to look at, well, what happens, what needs to happen for him to be back um, just in case that happens. And of course there's, you know, the baby Patriots fans get all up and up in arms because the first thing, on my list was Bill Belichick must be an open book and take responsibility in detail for the Patriots failure since the end of the 21, 2021 season in front of the media. Uh, that's not the first thing because it's the most important thing. It was the first thing because that's the first thing that needs to happen. Right. And, and of course the Patriots fans want to make it about like, Oh, you think it's the media and he needs to do that. <laughs> that's not what it's, it's about. Crybaby Patriots fan. What is it? What's it about? And I leave it open because my members are smart at BSJ and I don't need to lay everything out for them because they can figure things out on their own. The purpose of that is Bill Belichick, if he wants to continue here, he needs to take accountability for what's went wrong. Like you can't solve a problem until you admit the problem and he needs to get up there. And if I'm the owner of the team, I say, fine, Bill, you can be back. Number one, you're going to go out there and explain what happened with the offense and Mac Jones since 2021. You need to explain it, not just say, well, want to blame me, blame me. Um, you know, I did what's in the best interest of the team. No, you need to go out there and explain it. This is why I hired Matt Patricia. This is why we didn't have a guy ready to go. You know, all that stuff. Explain it. You know, you want to, you want to be in charge. You have to be accountable so that people can say, okay, Bill's admitted his mistakes. He, he realizes that the error of his ways and he's going to change. You know, but most of it was about like, you know, Belichick, they're hiring a GM who reports directly to the crafts and has nothing to do with Bill Belichick. He 
This GM picks the groceries. Belichick's done with that. If he's to continue here, that's not an option. Uh, if they want to pick from somebody who's been in the family, Dave Ziegler, John Robinson, Elliot Wolf, Patrick Stewart, that's fine. But that person is in charge of the roster all the way through. Um, O'Brien gets autonomy over the offense, gets to pick all the assistant coaches. Whoever he wants, he gets. Gerard Mayo is named defensive coordinator and assistant head coach and gets to fill out of his staff. If he doesn't want Steve Belichick here or Brian Belichick, that's fine. That's up to him. And the GM, since he's autonomous and doesn't have any uh, doesn't have any bias, he picks the special teams coordinator. He gets to figure out what's gone wrong here. So, I don't know, Nick. Did you think any of these things were unreasonable if Belichick is to continue going forward here? To me, these are the only ways I see that Belichick stays on. Of course, I don't think he would agree to any of them, um, <laughs> let alone one of them. Uh, but, you know, that's that's just the way it is in my mind. And, you know, I'm not going to apologize for having an opinion and beliefs on this. His name is Greg. I am Nick. We'll be back later this week to uh, talk more Patriots, preview the Chiefs game coming up as well. Till then, bye-bye.